my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that this finds you well and thriving wherever you are. In today's episode, this is a little bit late, but better late than never, we are recapping our Healed and Love Woman model. For those of you who are new, as you know, we do talk about uh, healing from love addiction and love avoidance and love deprivation here. And about a year or so ago, I debuted our Healed and Love Woman model for us to know if we are working out of our love addiction symptoms, what is it that we should be seeking to embody? If we're breaking our love avoidant patterns, what is the direction that we should be pursuing? And the same thing for love deprivation. And so I have created a tradition where twice a year at the top of the year and in the middle of the year, I recap the model just so that we can have this top of mind. My hope is that sharing the framework twice a year will help us have a temper- temperature check a couple of times a year. So that way we can celebrate the ways that we are growing and acknowledge ourselves, see that all the the things that were just baby steps that we didn't know were accumulating to something that we have been putting in this work, y'all, and seeing our growth. And for us to also see some places that might need a little bit more support and might need a little bit more work and a little bit more attention. So with all that said, let's go ahead and jump into our framework for you to know the path from going from love addicted to love of love balance, love avoidance to love available and love deprived to embracing your love worthiness even more. So because I have longer episodes on all of these, I'm just going to do just a snapshot of each of these six different components, the, the three different extremes and the components on either side, and hopes that it gives you a, a picture. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products that support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coastal Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes in your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coastal Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coastal Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. 
The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Costa Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit costamaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So let's go ahead and break down what the intimacy disorders are. So love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation, also known as love anorexia. If you wanted to do some Googling after you listen to this episode or while you're listening to this episode are all considered intimacy disorders. So these are just conditions that make it difficult for a person to establish close, intimate relationships with other people, to be seen, to be known, um, to be attracted to people who are available, or to be unavailable yourself when people who are available try to be connected to you. And you can go in and out of any of these three intimacy disorders depending on who you're around. If you're around someone who's unavailable and you have not been doing your healing work, and working on yourself and looking at some of the distancing techniques or ways that you may recreate your trauma in your adult relationships. You may go into more love addictive patterns, especially if the person is either overtly presenting some of the same trauma relationship patterns as the people from your past, the caregivers from your past, or subconsciously they are. You might not even be aware of it, but it's one of those things when once you start to get in relationship with them, you start to see, wow, this same stuff that happened with this person happened with my ex-best friend or it happened with this ex-relationship or ex-partner and it's happening again. That's how you can know that there's a pattern there. And then if you meet someone who is super available and open and wants to love you and wants to get to know you and wants to hang out with you, you might start to become a little bit more avoidant, which means you might start to make excuses to get close to someone. You may have a really great relationship or friendship or partnership at first and then start to find that they start to get on your nerves and you make excuses to create distance with them. And so basically, whoever you're around, you find reasons to kind of keep them a little bit at arm's distance or find people who are going to keep you at arm's distance. So um, hopefully that makes sense. So with love addiction being the persistent obsession of a person, a relationship, or the fantasy of who you want that person or relationship to be and mistaking it as love, what it looks like when you are operating from a love addicted state is that you may be coming from a deep place of fearing being abandoned and fearing being rejected, um, which is where a lot of the obsessive thoughts and compulsions to try to get this person to stay and to fix the relationship and look at yourself and see what's wrong with you and try to make up reasons why the relationship is um, self-destructing instead of looking at what the other person may or may not be doing. As a love addict, it's very easy for us to personalize and to take ownership of relationship problems that typically really don't have anything to do with us. Or once we have done our part to repair the relationship, we're still overworking. We're still carrying the emotional load and the physical load and the mental load to try to get something that's not really good from the start to work out. And a lot of times as a love addict, you're seeking that that high. You're seeking that connection with someone that you almost instantly feel 
understood and seen and and attracted to and craved by them. So once you're in relationship with them long enough, and sometimes long enough can mean a day, it can mean a week, it can mean a year. Well, typically it's not a year because a lot of times there's red flags that we choose not to see or signs that are there that show that this person may not be able to give us what we want. But once that relationship starts to the energy and that passion starts to fade, we go into overdrive to try to fix it instead of having the self-love to know that we deserve someone who's going to show up fully for us. And so that goes into the next component of what may happen when you struggle with love addiction is that it's very hard for you to feel that self-acceptance. You are very externally motivated to get other people to esteem you to affirm you, to validate you, to choose you. Sometimes that does look like verbal affirmation. Sometimes it looks like them staying. Sometimes it looks like us uh, staying with a partner, even if we know they're cheating on them because we say, well, at least they come back to me. Um, Sometimes it can look like whether or not they are sexually intimate with you. A lot of us have have negotiated getting our intimacy and connection and care with people through sex. And so having sex is not just about feeling empowered or getting pleasure in our body. It's because when we see a rupture happening, we will use sex to try to fix it. We will try to measure how close we are by how intense uh, the lovemaking is. And if, if we are doing it from a place of brokenness, what we will find over time is the sex ends up not being as good. Um, Either it's not as good or it's so good with that toxic person, but you feel frustration because at first that good sex felt like enough to keep them to stay, to keep them to be faithful, to keep keep you being the apple of their eye. And now it doesn't feel like it has that same power. You still feel like you're losing them and you still feel out of control. And so you may continue to try to get that external acceptance from somebody else instead of knowing how to esteem yourself first, to to know what you're worth um, and, and believe it and to hold to those standards. And the last component that I'll talk about for love addiction is something I actually already said, is being attracted to unavailable people. And so having so much love to give and being so ready to just to trust and be open, even Y'all, even if you have been avoidant in relationships for a long time, which I'll talk about next if you've not heard anyone talk about love avoidance before, but for those of you who are familiar with love avoidance, even if you have been um, shut off and, you know, scoping people out and making people work hard and everything, a lot of times we will try to go from one extreme to another and say, okay, if I give too much in relationships, that means I got to withhold everything and that's what's going to keep me safe. And I'm going to make people uh, just work extra hard to be in my grace and my presence. But that's still coming from a fear-based mentality. It's still coming from a place of um, not trusting, not trusting yourself and also not knowing how to trust other people. When you are operating from love addiction, and love avoidance and also love deprivation, there's not a lot of trust in the in the idea that people are going to show up for you just for you being you. With love addicts, we, we believe that for the most part, but 
for the most, we, we typically believe that we have to earn love in some way, earn love and going back to sex and um, just having really great sex with someone, uh, with giving them our time, our attention, our, our money, um, being a counselor to them, helping fix them up. But it, there's always some kind of exchange. It's not just because. And again, that's related to previous trauma. And same thing with love love avoidance. It's just hard for us to trust people, typically because of what we've gone through, because of the pain that we've had, because we probably have relationships that expected and pulled so much from us and smothered us. And it's just a lot. And so we don't trust that people will show up for us. And so all the things that we do around it is to compensate for that. And while at the same time, protecting us from the heartbreak that can come with it, with the confusion that can come with being these types of relationships, because a lot of times there's a push and a pull. You don't know, you know, you don't know if you're coming or going. Sometimes you could be moving towards somebody while they're moving further away. And then as you pull away, now they're coming back. Um, so we, we do all these games with other people and also within ourselves to keep ourselves safe. Um, but going back to trusting ourselves, we don't really know how to trust ourselves to know that our internal intuition that says something is off or something isn't right is correct. That that doesn't mean that we're being, as a love addict, a lot of times we will think, well, I'm just being mean um, if I think this about this person or everybody has their quirks or I'll keep giving them another chance. And, you know, sometimes people have issues or they struggle to communicate. I'm not perfect myself, but what you are compromising on is not, or what you're, what you're, you're not accounting for the humanity of another person, which to your credit, that is true. We all got our issues. We all have our quirks. Some of them are on full display and some of them are ones that take a little bit to catch up. But what you think is just accounting for someone being human is really a red flag. It's really something that you've normalized in relationships, problems that keep coming up. That's, that's the pattern. The same patterns and red flags keep coming up. And so when you see them, you think, oh, well, no, nobody's perfect versus this is evidence for me to run. So as a love addict, you may be attracted to unavailable people. So the direction that you want to go when it comes to getting out of love addiction is to become more love balanced. So like I said before, sometimes we will try to fix this and protect ourselves by shutting off love completely, which is a really sucky way to live. Um, I wouldn't want to be in a world without love, without getting excited, without having butterflies, without being just super swept away in the moment. None of those things are bad. It, the problem comes in what we sacrifice to get those things and also who we sacrifice ourselves with. You know, when we are with healthy and available people who are for us and know how to take ownership for themselves and know how to be in charge of their own boundaries and their own esteem, getting wrapped up in love with them is amazing because they can show up fully as themselves without having to take from you. And you get to see all of them without you having to take care of them, right? Um, so love and, and romance and connection and instant chemistry um, and growing love are good things. But you want to make sure that you're doing it with healthy people. So to be love balanced looks like you trusting connection. Instead of fearing abandonment, what it looks like is you trusting connection. So if I am a recovering love addict, what that looks like is when I'm connected to someone who says that they like me and they love me to believe them. 
that I'm not always looking for evidence and proof that it's true every every day, every hour, that I'm not overanalyzing texts, that I'm not overanalyzing conversations, um, that I'm not just thirsty, thirsty for that constant reassurance that they still like like me because I trust the connection. Because I trust that if someone says that they are available and if they're showing me that they're available, that I can trust their actions and their words. A lot of times when we're unstable in this area, even when someone is showing up in that honesty and integrity and that consistency is not enough. It's not enough because as a love addict, we're hoping that when we get that happily ever after, when we get that amazing friend group, when we get that amazing promotion, whatever it is that we are um, emotionally attached to, we're thinking that once we get that, that it's going to fill this hole on the inside of us, but it doesn't. Um, if anything, there's still that that fear, that, that sense of lack that is so afraid that it's going to leave us, that it's going to abandon us. And so we go into overdrive and and um, overprotective mode and we try to scope out all of the threats to try to figure out, okay, are they starting to lose interest? Are they really this happy? Is there anything else I can do to make sure they said they're happy? What more can I do to make sure that they stay happy? And we think we think in our mind that that means that we're being a good partner and going over and beyond. But really what we're recreating is codependent patterns from our childhood where we had to learn that we had to earn and be very, very aware on the changing moods and and in the relationships in our households. And so um, to trust the connection means that you don't live in that fear. Um, that doesn't mean that you're blind to red flags, like I said in the first part, because that's absolutely a part of, of love addiction. But it means that when you when someone is showing up as true, that you trust that they would do that because it's what you deserve. It is absolutely what you deserve and trusting that those type of people exist. And so the next part of being love balanced, as I've already been talking about it, is to be self-esteemed, to know that you are worthy, to know that you are deserving, and not just to logically know it, but to truly believe it. You know, this this healing journey, um, spoiler alert for those of you who have not seen this, and it stresses me out too, is that you are going to consistently be in a place where you're growing in your self-love. And it's, it's a beautiful journey. You are going to be learning more and more about self-acceptance throughout your entire life. And as you do that, you may discover new new quirks and new things about yourself that may be a little bit hard to look at. But self-esteem and self-love and self-acceptance is the ability to look at all the things that make you human and know that in your humanity, you are still beautiful, that you are still deserving, that you are amazing. And that serves you in love-balanced relationships because that doesn't mean that you are seeking other people to try to balance you, that you're looking for external validation and proof that you are still loved because that self-love, that self-acceptance and self-belief comes from the inside. It makes all of the love and affirmation and praise that your partners give you extra. I want to be clear that what I'm saying about this point and the point before does not mean that you enter into relationships thinking that to be love balanced means that I'm a robot 
and I need to be so self-esteemed and I need to trust connection so much that I'm needless and wantless and I don't need to care anymore if anyone gives me compliments, if they hit my butt as I walk by, if they send me flowers, I just need to not need that and that means I'm love balanced. No. To be love balanced and to be connected to your self-love is to be fully honest and connected to all of the things that you want and desire in partnership and friendship and in relationship. And when someone is not showing up in a way that you know that you deserve, you exit. As love addicted people, what we will do sometimes is someone will be treating us like trash and treating us uh, in ways that are not deserving and we will doubt that we deserve those things. And we will continue to live in that lack and continue to live behind what we deserve instead of, instead of asserting that, instead of believing that. So no, that's why when I was creating this model, I wanted to talk about there being a balance. You don't have to choose between the two. You don't have to choose between being robotic in a relationship and you don't have to choose between being needless and wantless and uh, making whatever the other person want your priority. You can be fully yourself and show up as your full self and let that person see you for that. And chances are, if they're a healthy person, that's what they're attracted to. They're not attracted to puppets. They're not attracted to people who are mindless. They're attracted to your soul. They're attracted to that identity. There are billions of people in the world and they want to be with you for who you are. So to be in that relationship, you have to show up as who you are. Okay. And so that's the last one, making sure that you are attracted to available people who want that for you, who want you for you, not for what you can do for them, right? Um, who see you for all that you are, okay? So that's the first component of being a healed and loved woman is to be love balanced. The next one is to be love available. And the opposite of love available is love avoidance. So let's talk about love avoidance. So when you are struggling with love avoidant, which is the fear, of, well, it's the systematic putting up of walls in a relationship to avoid feeling emotionally overwhelmed and smothered by other people. A lot of times you don't want to be connected to someone, but still feel a little bit of resistance or irritation that relationships take the work. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. In time that it, <laughs> that it needs to. And with all the intimacy disorders, which I didn't say here, but I've said countless times in other episodes. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. 
So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. All of these things are things that as human beings, no matter what your attachment style is, whether you're securely attached or insecurely attached or what your family history life is like, we're going to have times that we uh, get really caught up in relationships. Healthy people are going to be irritated sometimes and not want to to be around other people. Like These are the ebbs and flows. When I'm talking about the patterns today, these are consistent and persistent ways that you operate with people. This isn't just things that you do on bad days. It is that it is really hard for you to let people in because you are afraid that to give in relationships and to give that space means that you may be losing out. It may mean that someone can come in and hurt you. And because of that, you may have overt um, and very direct ways that you keep people out. And you may have some sneaky ways that you keep people out, which I get into get into in other episodes. But um, that is the gist of it. Um, again, this is not about all or nothing and living in the black and white, um, that either you're perfect and super happy and cheery in relationships all the time, or you have an intimacy disorder. No, we're looking at the patterns of our lives and seeing, are there things, are there patterns that I have, cycles that I'm in, and I've tried to exit these patterns, and they're still here. It's, It's still hard for me to connect to people, and I feel like there may be a deeper reason underneath, then this is for you, okay? So as a love avoidant, you may fear being suffocated by people that to be close to them means that, like I said, that they may be taking something from you, whether or not it's your energy or your time or your body or um, your identity. A lot of times your freedom is the key word that I have always used when I talk about just whenever I'm triggered in my love avoidance is someone wanting someone or something trying to take away my independence because especially most people who are love avoidance grew up in ways where you had to become independent and adult very fast as a child, either because bad things were happening or you had to learn how to emotionally take care of yourself if you were emotionally neglected. That includes if your parents were both physically there or, um, you know, or one parent is physically there or you had caregivers who were there, but you didn't get the affirmation and love and tenderness that you needed. Your parents could have tried to love you when they did love you in every way that they knew how, but if you weren't getting love just because, if you weren't getting hugs and praise and just validation of you in, in all these moments as you were learning your identity, there may be some, some qualities of emotional neglect. Again, that's another deeper topic that we're not going to get into in depth today, but you can, you can do the Googles <laughs> and look up childhood emotional neglect and see, see if you can check, check some of those bo- boxes. But as children who had to take care of ourselves, we value our independence because it's kept us safe. It's uh, worked very well for us, but that does not, that may have worked growing up, but when it comes to intimate relationships and best friendships and um, building our family relationships, even with, with our, with our children, with our extended family members, we, what worked for us before does not help us get that intimacy. And there could be this push pull dynamic again, and a lot of frustration with, 
Okay, how do I get closer to people without losing what makes me feel good, right? And what's the balance between this? Is it possible that this is actually something that works well for me and that is okay? Or is this disordered behavior patterns? And of course, these are things that uh, if you're in therapy and working on your avoidant attachment styles, or, or co- of course, if you're working with us in our programs, we talk about, but those are just some of the thoughts that you may think. Um, but you may fear being suffocated in relationships and losing out. Um, you may desire connection, but at a, at a far distance because of everything that I said before um, and, and wishing that there was a way or trying to create ways for that to happen and resenting when people try to get closer to you. An example that sometimes I give when I do open houses for our coaching program or even here on this podcast, I've probably said is sometimes what this could look like in friendship is say you meet someone that you really love and, uh, you know, y'all hang out and have a great time. Y'all go to brunch together and then, um, you know, you kiki and everything and y'all just have really great energy. And then the next day she calls you. Well, she calls you that day and y'all like laugh about something. But then she calls you the day after and you're like, dang girl, like I just talked to you. Like what you want? I'm busy. <laughs> and you're like, this is a little bit too much. Or maybe she calls you a couple days later, but either way, your tank for connection with this person has been full and you ain't got no more energy and you have no more space for her until an undetermined amount of time. You might have space for other people, especially if you're someone who copes with or your avoidance tendencies present as you spreading out your energy between multiple people so that no one really gets to know you, really gets close to you. But with her, you keep her at a distance. When really, if you're someone who wants intimate connection, especially if you're someone who wants intimate um, romantic connections long term, you're going to have to learn how to share space and time with people. Even if you are a partners, which is a new um, trend that I learned um, about a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of months ago, if anyone wants to hit the Googles for that as well, a partners is what you would Google, but people who are committed in committed partnerships, but live apart, um, but they're in lifelong or long-term committed partnerships, committed partnerships, but they intentionally are living apart. Um, either way, you're still going to need to learn how to have healthy, consistent conversation with this person. So there's a balance you're going to have to learn there. And then um, a lot of times when people are love avoidant, not all the time, but a lot of times you can be attracted to people who are going to hold the emotional energy for both of you. So it is not uncommon that if you are more avoidant, especially in your romantic partnerships, but also friendships as well, that you will have an experience where y'all meet and just connect and love hanging out and love being together and all of that. And then as time goes on, your partner or your friend is the one that keeps up with like the check-ins and like, what's going on? And you might be um, available enough to show up and talk and do all that stuff, but they carry that positive energy. Um, And so that might be a pattern. It might not, but sometimes that, that is a pattern. So what does it look like to be love available? So to be love available is instead of you fearing being suffocated by people, it means that you may move towards other people for connection so that you seek out intimacy and relationships, that you want to be in partnership with them, that when she calls you the next day, you see it as an invitation to talk with someone that you really like instead of a threat. 
Um, it looks like uh, the desire to know other people and to be known versus desiring connection at a far distance. So for people to see you and to be in relationship with you, again, is a gift. Um, it is so sweet. And some of y'all know this. Some of y'all, even if you may primarily be avoidant, y'all have relationships with people who y'all been in friendships in friendship for a long period of time. Y'all are uh, blood related. Y'all have just remained good friends, even if you're no longer partners, but you've, you've built relationships with people who see you and understand you. And it's such a sweet experience, right? And so when you struggle with love avoidance, though, even if you have those few people, it may be hard for you to actually believe that that's available for you in other relationships as well, and that you could feel that relief with people instead of it being something that is can feel dangerous to you. So to be love available is to be available to let people in and to also want to get to know other people as well. And then the last one is that you are, as a love available person, you're attracted to those people who will give and receive mutually. So something I didn't say in the first part um, is love avoidance, we tend to be attracted to fixer-uppers and people who are projects. And this is romantic partnerships, this is family relationships, and this is friendships. We do not know how to be in horizontal peer relationships with people. So either we operate you know, without the official title, as a therapist, as coach, as financer, as parent, even to your adult parents. Uh, we don't know how to be in relationships with people where we're on the same playing level a lot of times. And so as a love available person, you are better at building and creating and maintaining relationships with people who don't drain you. They don't drain you in these ways. They don't need you more than you need them. Um, that are more interdependent instead of codependent is what you're looking for when you're operating as love available. And then for my love deprived uh, versus love worthy for the last component of the model is when you're operating from a place of love deprivation, aka love anorexia, again, if you want to hit the Googles, I'm giving you lots of stuff to Google today. Um, it looks like fearing rejection. So the difference between um, someone who is love avoidant and love deprived, they both will show up as kind of having walls up in the relationships. But when someone is struggling from a place of love, dep de love deprivation, Oftentimes, they're very much aware of not liking themselves and feeling a lot of shame and desire to to leave um, or to hide. And so when you're struggling from a place of love, de love deprivation, you keep people away because you are fearing rejection. Uh, so love avoidance, you keep people away because you don't want to feel suffocated and trapped. When you're struggling from love deprivation or love anorexia, it looks like fearing rejection. Uh, you may have already said a very high sense of carried shame, and you may also go between cycles of being by yourself and, you know, uh, swearing off relationships, even swearing off friendships because it just feels safer to be by yourself and just to focus on what's in front of you. I'm just going to focus on my career right now. I'm just going to focus on my kids right now. I'm just going to focus on me learning how to love me, quote unquote. But again, it's coming from a place of, um, of fear and lack, uh, and you may self-medicate a lot when you're operating in that place of isolation versus when you are fully connected to your love worthiness 
And again, we are all love worthy. Every single one of us, even if you are out there just walling out, y'all, you are worthy exactly as you are right now. There's no mountaintop. There's no milestones for you to hit to where you can finally be deserving of the love and connection and experiences that you want. You're deserving right now today. You just don't know that you are. And that's what the problem is. Not that you are not love worthy, but that you do not know and you do not believe and receive that you're worthy enough right now. So love worthiness looks like that you may desire closeness with people instead of fearing that rejection, that you know that that's available for you. It may look like um, um, having a high sense of unshakable value within yourself and knowing that you are worthy versus having that shame and letting that lead the charge. And then finally, it looks like having a healthy balance between you engaging in pleasure and self-love and um, giving yourself what feels good to you versus living in deprivation, which I didn't explain as much in the first part. But because you don't feel really deserving and feeling connected, you'll deprive yourself a lot of times when you're living in love deprivation from that emotional connection and physical nurturance and sexual nurturance and even um, um, environmental uh, nurturance because you don't believe that you're worthy of it. You may give it to other people, but you don't give it to yourself. And when you're connected to your love worthiness, you're like, nah, I deserve all the good things and I receive all the good things. So those are the three components of being a healed and loved woman. If you were looking at the actual framework, uh, a picture of it, uh, there's a little pyramid and each of the different parts are diamonds. And when they overlap, it makes the healed and loved woman. And so all of the episodes and the things that we teach here, the smaller programs, the workbooks, the advice I give, um, whenever I'm able to do a coaching call or a group coaching call with folks, it all comes down to helping women become more love balanced and love available and really connecting to your love worthiness. And if you're able to show up in the world by being available to healthy love, being available to yourself, treating yourself as worthy, um, and being balanced in how you give and receive with people, then everything else is easy and everything else is, uh, it just falls into place, right? With people who cross your boundaries because you are clear on what your boundaries are, because you know who you are, because you know what feels good for you as far as communication, because you have standards for who you allow into your life. You know, you, it is possible to be open and have standards, right? Um, I think sometimes for those of us who are learning how to be balanced, when people tell us to be open, we, we immediately just let the floodgates open for people who have no business being there, right? Um, but once you have that clarity and that balance in all those areas, you're able to make those place, those decisions from a place of wisdom um, and also a place of abundance. So I hope that this has been helpful to be just a temperature check and see where are you um, in different places. There may be certain parts that you're, you're like, oh yeah, I am doing great at that. And some other parts that might need a little bit of checking up on and a little bit of attention. As always though, I really want to encourage you to treat yourself with that kindness, the self-kindness that we talked about in today's episode, that self-acceptance. And please celebrate yourself. If you are someone who's been on your healing journey 
and maybe you've had a recent bad week or a breakup or you're feeling lonely uh, the last couple months or so, or there's something that's happening in this season that feels a little bit hard or you're having conflict at work or you and your, um, your mom got in a fight or something, please do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Please take moments to celebrate and see how far you've come to see that you're even at a place where you can have those feelings that you can voice what you feel uncomfortable about and that you have eyes towards what it is that you do want. That is growth, Uh, especially if you come from a place where you used to be very numb or you used to distract yourself a lot or it was hard for you to be present in the moment. Every single step you take is, is amazing. And I want you to give yourself that credit. In addition to all of the things that I listed for how we talk about becoming a Healed and Loved Woman, we actually have a Healed and Loved Woman retreat. And we had our first one last year in October. And due to popular requests, we are having multiple weekends this fall. So we have an August weekend. I want to say it's August 3rd through the 5th. Uh, September weekend, which I believe is the 23rd through the 25th, and an October weekend, which is the 21st through the 23rd. And when you go to the website, if you're interested in it, at our retreat, I talk more about being balanced, available, and worthy. And in a small group of women, we just go deep on it. And I support you, and I teach more into it, and answer questions, and have love seats, which or, you know, hot seats, but love seats where we just, uh, we just really connect on, on our stories. And so I'm very excited about that. I actually quietly opened enrollment to women who are in our text community and women on our email list, uh, who are on the wait list over the last week or so. And so half of the spots are full already for October and for September. But if you want to learn more about the retreats and just see what entails, see if it seems good for you, if it seems like something you want to connect more and meet in real life and talk more about these topics, we'd love to have you. Uh, you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash retreats. And uh, at the bottom, you can enroll if there are spots still open. So that is it for right now. I am, as always, sending you love. And I hope that you are taking amazing care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 